Unmistakable evidence has established the fact he is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds. Welcome to the Truth 316 Podcast, the place that we honor that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Our prayer is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Welcome to Truth 316, where we study God's Word in a Reformed fashion. And today, I wanted to take a look at how we are all responding to this current lockdown. What are we doing with our time? Everything's changed for us. Our um, events that we do and the way that we have to go to the market, our activities and our workload. And the question is, what are we doing with our time? Are we spending it? you know, watching more television. Uh, Of course, we probably are. But the question is, are you doing anything to strengthen your relationship with God? They've changed the manner in which we can attend worship. We have to do that from our home now online. And so there's no gathering of large groups of of the body of Christ. And that's been hard for a lot of us. But as I was going through uh, my time in the past couple of days, I've been thinking about this period that I'm referring to as lockdown, where we're kind of locked into our own homes. And so I wanted to bring this all into light with the disciples because I needed encouragement from them. And I was thinking of, man, how great it was for the disciples originally to be, you know, after the time of Christ's resurrection, to be full of, you know, vim and vigor and passionate about the witness for Christ. And then I started uh, thinking I would take a look at the scriptures. And what I realized is it quite wasn't like that immediately after the resurrection. Uh, For sure, we know that they had doubts and were hiding up in their own rooms while Christ was in the grave for three days. But even after the resurrection, we have records of all of these great disciples here that are showing their humanness and are lacking belief. We see that Thomas doubts. Uh, Peter decides instead of waiting for Christ to return that he's going to go fishing. Uh, When Mary Magdalene comes rushing from the empty tomb, the disciples don't believe her. Um, And then we have this account with the uh, two disciples on the Emmaus Road, and Christ walks with them, and when they get back, the disciples don't believe them. And in fact, during this time of, uh, of walking with Jesus and stuff, they're, they're not sure um, who it is, and, and they have their own trouble with their own belief. And then we see even later on that these disciples are continuing to, to hide out, and they're in distress. They're, they're lacking um, knowledge that Christ has truly risen, Um, They're sorrowful and they have these troubled hearts. So I thought we could take a look at this time of lockdown while we have our own set of troubled hearts. And maybe it's not necessarily with faith, but I wanted to bring it. I wanted to bring that to light even in our own lives because certainly the disciples 
are an example unto us and what Christ has done with them, but we uh, have our own lives to live and we can only be responsible for ourselves. So let's take a look at this first uh, account here that I pulled up in the Gospel of Matthew 28. And this is right after um, Resurrection Sunday when Mary Magdalene and the other Marys found the tomb empty and they took off to report and it says and they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples and behold Jesus met them and greeted them and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me so now the angel had just told them that Jesus was risen and the women are here double-timing it back, you know, to the campsite. And Jesus meets them and tells them, hey, don't be afraid. And, and then tell the disciples to meet me in Galilee. Okay, that's easy enough. Give those instructions. Now, in the meantime, um, after this verse, we see that the chief priests are getting their story straight about how the guards must have fell asleep. And they're plotting this whole scenario so they can say that the disciples are really the ones that came and stole the body. And then after that, we see um, that the women uh, get back and it says here in uh, verses 16 and 17, it says, but the disciples or but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee. So they listened to the women. They proceeded to Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But what? But some were doubtful. Okay, wait a minute. They are told to go meet Jesus. They actually see Jesus, they worship him, and it says, but some were doubtful. What are they doubting here? What's going through their minds? I'm speculating in my own as what is possibly going on in there. And certainly, you know, resurrection has never happened before. And so uh, just imagine yourself in, in that position uh, several days after somebody had died and been buried. And now you have uh, this person in front of you. What's, of course, you're going to have doubts. So you can kind of imagine they go to the mountain as they're commanded half-heartedly, but yet they go. So here we have it, and now we have to decide, you know, what's going on. But Jesus, what are the very next words out of his mouth? It says in 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Um, okay, so let's talk about what would end the discussion of doubt. <laughs> well, here it is. This should be it, right? But there's still plenty of uncertainty with the disciples, and that is explained later to us in the books of Acts. So this is just one account where the disciples um, are having doubt. They don't believe Mary's report. And we're going to get another report that they don't believe. Here they see Jesus and they still don't believe. And then yet Jesus gives them a command. So let's go to the Gospel of Mark and take a look at this account here. In Mark 16, it says, Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. Um, so first of all, I just want to point out that this section of Mark 
Um, this actually begins the longer ending of Mark, which is not recorded in some of the older manuscripts. So um, it's okay that uh, we're taking this a little bit half-heartedly, but because it doesn't really conflict with uh, any of the other Gospels or any truth in the Gospels, I'm using it here just as um, a retelling of the story of these two guys that had been with Jesus. So I'm using it here just to describe what was reported in regard to the doubting of the disciples. So it just shows that it doesn't contra contradict the other Gospels. Uh, so Mary here reports to the disciples and they refuse to believe it. After that, it says that he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking on their way to the country. They went away and reported it to the others, but they didn't, but they did not believe them either. So this is kind of what I just said. Um, so this is a, probably a retelling of the account of the two disciples on the Emmaus road. Uh, but again, it does show that they were there walking with Jesus in the, uh, on this road. Um, and what they did not believe him. So, so what's Jesus replied to this afterward, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So this is kind of falling on the heels of the great commission of the, of uh, Matthew's account. Uh, but look what happens. He appears to the 11. So Judas is of course gone and they're reclining at the table. And what does he do? He rebukes them for their unbelief and their hard hearts. So they weren't believing, he's holding them accountable and they, they were not believing what the scriptures had told them in regard to the testimony of two or more witnesses. So here we have Mary, and of course when she told the disciples, she was followed by the other Marys, right? And so that wasn't just a single witness account, they didn't believe Mary. And now we have two disciples and they have eyewitness testimony of Jesus and the disciples still don't believe this. So Jesus is rebuking their unbelief and hardness of hearts, right? They had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. So here he's not saying that they didn't believe the gospels or the scriptures. They're saying that they didn't believe the firsthand accounts, the, the eyewitness testimonies here. So let's take a, a little closer look in Luke. This is the one that we're probably more familiar with. It gives more details of this whole account. And it's in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. It says, behold, Two of them, that is the disciples, were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about a seven mile, um, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. So, okay, first of all, this is Sunday. This is Resurrection Day. And it says that they were walking and their eyes were prevented or kept from recognizing Jesus. So what was it that was keeping it? Was it a supernatural uh, veiling of their eyes? It does infer a power um, that was keeping them from seeing. So perhaps it was supernatural. And then he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and are unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? They say to him, Like, are you the only one who doesn't know all these things that have happened? So 
Now Jesus is going to give them a reply, a giant tongue-in-cheek response here, and he goes like, what things? Right? So, But he's just giving them an opportunity to give him um, basically the lowdown of what's going on. So he's actually setting them up a little bit in his sarcasm by saying, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened, but also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had also said, but they did not see. So here they are, they're giving their sob story to Jesus, and although it's a true, it's a legit story, right? They're admitting that they just aren't buying that the women saw Jesus. Now, what's his reply? Uh, verse 25 here. And he said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So Jesus rebukes them for a couple of things. First of all, for being foolish and being slow of heart, um, specifically in not believing in the scriptures here. So Jesus, um, what does he do? He basically now begins a seven-mile Bible study, the most comprehensive Bible study on Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament scriptures of all time. So uh, you can only imagine uh, what it would be like to be shadowing that journey, right? What does he do? He begins at Moses and the prophets. So you can just kind of see, okay, so here he is, Moses, and he says, okay, so you guys know, remember like when Moses goes to the burning bush and who's 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 the who's in the burning bush there and they're like it's Yahweh and he's like yeah that was me I am Yahweh I am that I am so Jesus had you know used that word to the scribes and Pharisees you know before Abraham was I am he uses the exact name of God so you can kind of see perhaps Jesus gave this example and then he says okay so now Moses gets them uh, Hebrew children out of Egypt and he sets up uh, this Passover right what was the Passover uh, they sacrificed this spotless lamb. Yeah, and he goes, okay, I am that spotless lamb. You can just see it, right? And and they got to be saying, oh, it happens like on the exact day of Passover, right? So you can just see the comprehension uh, that Jesus would be given to them throughout all of the books of Moses, the first five books it's basically speaking of here, and plus um, the books of the prophets. So he's probably saying, you remember in Daniel when he said this, that was me. In Isaiah, that was me, you know? So... There's other parts, I think, that refers to him also referring to himself in the Psalms. So anyway, um, here we have it. And Jesus is kind of holding them responsible to look back, to know the scriptures that they have been learning as, as they've been growing up all of this time. And uh, now their eyes should be even more open based on the testimony of these witnesses, right? So Mary and the disciples need to be uh, 
need to be believed by the rest that are, are left back, right? Okay, so what's what's the point in all this? So, well, the point is that when we're in areas of uncertainty and kind of the fear of the unknown of what's going on, um, like we might be today as, uh, as this is all happening around us and we're kind of in our own lockdown period, you know, our faith can waver a little bit, the, the fear of the uncertainty of the future. But Jesus is saying, look, Use the testimony of those who have gone before us. He tells the disciples, you didn't, you got to believe Mary. You got to believe the disciples. So is Jesus here saying that they aren't believers? No, I don't really think so. I don't think this is about saving faith. Uh, these guys were chosen by Christ as believers, right? They, they were chosen to follow him and they were there with him through all of this. Um, it's not saying that they don't believe that he is who he said he is. They just don't believe certain aspects of it. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about this coming up. So I have this uh, this slide here. It says believing but not believing. So to my point here, I don't think that we have to take Jesus' response that this is referring to unbelief, the slow of heart, and uh, and that is not regarding their belief in him or in the belief of the true God. Um, and the reason that I'm saying that is I, I'm thinking of Jesus's prayer to the Father in the Gospel of John chapter 17, where he's already confirmed this to the disciples. He says, you know, that they belong to him and he's asking the Father to keep them. Right. So this prayer is that they were given to Christ by the Father. So they already are locked in as believers. Right. But believing, what I'm saying is, um, and that believing is actually faith, right? So they're used interchangeably. It just depends on how that word, um, that Greek word of pistis is um, translated, either believing or faith in the, in the, in the Greek accounts there. Um, but when it comes to belief, you know, although we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and we have faith that we are saved, let me ask you, do you believe perfectly? No. So you have a portion of you that's lacking belief, right? So let's take a look at this example that we've all heard um, when Jesus is um, working in the crowd here and this guy brings his son to Jesus. And he's basically saying that, hey, my son has an unclean spirit upon him. I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't get the demon out, right? They couldn't pray him, pray him clean, basically. And so Jesus asks um, in, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, beginning in verse 21, he asks the father, he says, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, it has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him who believes. So he turns it back on the on the father and says, you're lacking belief here. Of course I can do it, but you need to believe. And so this is the example uh, being handed out. And so immediately it says in, the, in verse 24, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Well, there it is, right? So we see belief and we see non-belief kind of existing together there. So we 
somebody might say, well, there you have it. There's contradiction in the Bible. You can't have this logical fallacy where you have these two things existing, um, opposing each other in the same circumstance. But that's not what this is saying. We have to use this understanding or the correct understanding of belief as levels of belief. He's saying, I do believe, but I need more help to believe the next step, right? So we already inter- had already talked about believing is the same as faith. And so, you know, when we ask ourselves, is my faith perfect? And it's like, no. So this is our prayer, right? Uh, yeah, Lord, these are these are troubling times for us right now. I, I believe that you're God, but and I believe that you have a purpose in this, but uh, I'm still uncertain. So we pray, God, you know, help my unbelief, help our unbelief in these things. And here we see ourselves taking on the same rebuke that Jesus had given the disciples. Oh, you slow of heart <laughs> to believe all that the scriptures have spoken. Well, what does he do then? Um, here we have, for those of us who are born again, we still, we believe, right? We believe, um, but yet we need, we need more. We, 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 we have a desire to believe uh, a stronger faith, right? So how does that happen? Well, Jesus had already given, given us the answer. So let's go back to the Emmaus Road um, study here and just look at this verse again. Uh, 25 and 20 uh, through 27. And Jesus says to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them these things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So he begins with Moses and he explains the scriptures. We already talked about this, right? But what does he do? To increase their faith, he gives them a Bible study. He doesn't just um, say, here's more faith and just spiritually give it to them. No, he gives them the word of God in the scriptures and shows them himself, right? So it's the proofs of the scripture and their eternal truths that Christ is the fulfillment of all these things that were held in the shadows of the writings of Moses and the prophets and all these other writings that that they had for the disciples. Now we have for ourselves all of that, plus all of the New Testament scriptures to fall on for ourselves to see the bigger picture. So our faith is increased, yeah, of course, by praying to Christ, but as he opens up our hearing through what? Through the word of God, right? We sure we already know this from the book of Romans. Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So we, we've heard this so many times, and, and we think of this, of course, um, and this verse is, of course, uh, in reference directly to saving faith. Um, how, how can they believe, you know, in whom they have not heard? So this is speaking of saving faith, but it is a bigger picture. We already believe, and how do we believe more? By the word of Christ, right? So it's a reference to saving faith, but it's also a reference to this faith that we're lacking. How do we have better faith? By the more we understand in God's word, the truth of it, we see precept upon precept and we have, uh, you know, things that are held in common and we see fulfillment of the scriptures and we just see that God has held true to his perfect word time and time again. And this gives us certainty as well as the reading of the witnesses the Old Testament witnesses and the prophets and the disciples 
in the halls of faith of Rome, of Hebrews chapter 11. In all of those examples, our faith has increased because of those who have gone before us. So we have the truth of the scriptures and the examples of those who have gone before us. Well, so here we are. We're in lockdown. What are you doing to increase your faith, to be more comfortable in knowing who God is and that this is a perfect plan? Let's go ahead and pray. Well, Lord, here we are. We're in lockdown and it's, uh, we see, seem to have a light at the end of the tunnel, but it's, uh, it's still unclear of what may come in the aftermath of all of this entire thing. So we know that you've already perfected the outcome of this whole thing. In fact, you ordained it from the beginning that this global event would take place at this particular time and for a very specific purpose. And we might not know what that purpose is, but we know that in this event that you are to be glorified and that you would be most glorified in your perfect plan. So we ask now that in the midst of our own circumstances that we could glorify you in our actions and um, in particularly because of this, uh, this Bible study today that we would glorify you in increasing our faith through the study of your word, Lord um, as we read the word, as we study it, as we meditate upon it, um, and that you would come by your spirit and open up our ears and, and eyes to the understanding of your truths. And so, Lord, with that, we cry out, we believe, Lord, help our unbelief. So I hope this little uh, study has encouraged you to get back into the word, spend some time with him, and increase your belief according to his divine purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.